I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome to Pixels, the show which is supposedly subtitled a podcast for the discerning gamer. So it means we're like discerning and mm. stuff. We have a mind for analysis and that's what we're going to do, especially today because I have two wonderful guests with me. Uh, not that, you know, the previous guests weren't wonderful. But anyway, uh, Scott Johnson and Jeff Canada are here with me today. How are you guys doing? We're great. Woo-hoo! Yes, Scott speaks for both of us. Yes, I am the <laughs> spokesman. Look at me when I speak to you. Now, we're, uh, I'm thrilled to be here. It's always fun to hang out with Patrick, and we get to do that now on the regular on the, uh, on the instance, but it's uh, a, more of a rare but always a treat thing uh, for me to, to hang out with Jeff. So, yeah, I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, me too. Uh, and I think, is discerning the opposite of earning? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you haven't earned anything? I'm very <laughs> discerning about a lot of things then. As it turns it out. might be that you've earned it, but then you're dis-earning it because yeah, yeah something that, like that. All right. Um, so I'm I'm really glad to be on on the show that you guys are on the show as well. Obviously, I have a, a huge amount of re- respect for both of you because I've basically listened to you guys forever. Um, and even though we've interacted in the past, it's always humbling to have you guys on my little show. Um, and I think I'm going to start this show with a sort of a semi rant is that Uh-oh. okay can i can i just like rant um, as long as it's about the truck that fought kit in knight rider if that's the <laughs> semi you're referring to then i'm all in all ears. um <laughs> let's see if we can work it in there in there um basically i've I, i'm i'm tired of hearing people say that video games are expensive mm. it's kind of a diff- it's not a difficult but a dangerous thing to say i'm i worry i'm flirting with first world problem view actually not first world problem but first world view of things because i don't think video games have ever been that cheap um let's talk about the story that brought about that that thought process um polygon had a story about Uh, Push Square, which is a uh, UK publication that went through all of the games that were offered uh, uh, through the PlayStation Plus service, and they uh, calculated that they had over a thousand three hundred bucks worth of free game this year. Mm. Uh, Now, admittedly, those are you know if you own all three consoles, and I'm guessing not a lot of people are crazy like me and and have that, Um, but. Still, it's it's probably on average, you know, about five hundred bucks, four hundred bucks uh, per console worth of games, which are, by the way, usually 
pretty good games. Um, and uh, then the the Polygon guys went and calculated that for uh, Xbox Live, and it amounted to about uh, 600 bucks, something like that. Um, so you have that on one hand, and you can buy a cheap-ish last-gen console nowadays. It's not too expensive. And you, ha you have this subscription, which is, what, five bucks a month? Um, and you get some pretty good games. Now, of course, you're not going to be playing the latest game uh, as it comes out. Um, but between that and the really cheap um, phone games, even if you don't have an iPhone or something like that, you can, you can play a game on your Android device. I'm sure most people who are listening to this have a smartphone um, you have free to play games which are actually free to play and and you with, in which you can progress and have fun um, and I, I can't think of any other hobby that will allow you to play for you know one two hours a day or more for that cheap I mean if you're into cars things you know chances are you're probably going to be looking at them in a magazine most of the time if you're into music um, well <laughs> you might have a streaming service which lets you listen to music for almost free but then if you want to go to a concert it's going to cost a lot of money if you want to go to the movies you're going to have to pay you know 10 15 bucks uh, for each movie you want to go see uh, that can amount to a bunch if you're going to see one movie a week or more Am I crazy? Video games are cheap, right? They've well, never been. Here's, well, here's, here's the thing. They're, okay, they're, here comes the contrarians. They are not only cheap. No, I'm, I'm going to agree with oh. you, but also they're they're kind of resistant to inflation as opposed to other forms of entertainment. When I wanted to see a movie uh, on a Saturday night in 1989, I would have paid, I don't know, less than five bucks for a ticket. Now I'll play upwards of 15 and more. But if think it's, of the pants you were wearing. I know, <laughs> right? Amazing. Oh, do think of those because they were insane. <laughs> Um, so that, so that, that has a tendency to rise. All these other entertainment things that you mentioned all have risen in price, but it's weird that games have kind of stayed at right around 50 bucks on the average. They really haven't moved much in a very long time. And I have a theory, a working theory about this, that they were either going to have to do something about that and raise prices, or there are a lot of executives really pleased with what digital brings because digital means they can keep it at the same price and make up a lot of that profit loss Because they again, those those prices don't go up. Consumers won't pay more than fifty bucks for a game, uh, so they're they're happy to have digital downloads that are also fifty fifty nine dollars, and uh, people paying full price for the games. They are not worrying about distribution, manufacturing, pressing, you know, printing. Some of that for sure. Yeah. I mean, the DLC also helps a lot because the hardcore, the people who are into the game as much as you know, the the most into the games are going to pay more without having the, without having to you to ha can't speak without you having to create a special edition even though you they will but without having you having a special edition that they will pay more up front automatically they can buy just the regular version and then pay afterwards because they enjoy the game so that keeps the baseline price relatively low mm -hmm. um well can i push back a little bit on this uh i think i think both things can be true Uh, you can have a way to play gaming, way to be involved in this hobby that is relatively inexpensive. You have the rise of free-to-play, as you mentioned. You have uh, a bunch of games that are being given away on these services, although you have to pay a monthly fee. You, you left that part out. Um, oh, I, I mentioned five bucks a month. It's, yeah. you know. 
Is that uh, what, he, what is PS? What is PlayStation Plus? Is it that low? I thought it was like 60, 10. No. 60 a year, 50 a year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So they're both about the same. Yeah. Still, that's not free. You know, you're saying they're free games. They're not free. Then They are giving them away as part of a subscription service. So, you know, sure. it's not free. Uh, but yes, both things can be true. There can be an inexpensive avenue into this hobby and prices for video games can be too high. And I think both are true. I think that, yes, uh, inflationary wise, uh, we've been about 50, 60 bucks per game since the dawn of gaming. But... I do think $60 as an entry point across the board as a standard price is is a little ridiculous. And we're seeing variable pricing on the PC side of gaming, but the console side of gaming is still resistant to variable pricing. And I think that sucks. I think that the, the, the fact that there is no room in the market for a mid-tier, mid-range priced game because it somehow undervalues the product and people don't view it as being as high quality as a $60 game, I think is ridiculous and is this, is a weird mindset for both consumers and retailers to be in. And I think, but I think that, go ahead. No, oh, no, go ahead. You finish. No, no, no. I'm done. Good. Well, go okay. The, the, so the thing is, there is this avenue. Maybe it's not the latest new game you're going to find, but there are secondhand games that can be purchased. If you buy them a little bit later, you know, the, the Platinum Edition or whatever is available for a little bit cheaper usually. There are different games that are available for cheaper on, you know, digitally. You have games that are 15, 20 bucks. That happens very often. You have sales, which happen also digitally most of the time which are even on the consoles now i mean on the playstation uh network you can get games for a good chunk of uh you know rebate during sales uh i don't know about xbox recently because i haven't gotten an xbox one yet but uh it seems like the trend is definitely it's not even a trend it's already here prices are going down i, I would argue that the only games that you need to pay full price for uh the 50 or 60 bucks are the ones that have just come out like in the past month or two. But it's saying that you have to pay that amount of money to get into video game, uh, video games is... I well, really... But you do if you're buying a new game. I, I, so, so yes, if you are going to be... There are absolutely bargains to be had. There's ways of waiting these things out. But if you're talking about... But it's about... the equivalent of if, if you want to go watch a basketball game, you're not going to have, you know... If you want to be at the front of the, you know, in, in on the court, you're going to pay more than if you're in the back. Basically getting the, uh, you know waiting for sales or getting a secondhand game uh, is the equivalent of that. There is variable pricing. It's just not... But, that, but that's basically tantamount to creating a class, uh, an economic right. class system in, in game buying. In other words... It's like saying, it's like saying uh, there's plenty of food to be had for cheap. Just go to McDonald's. You know? uh, <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, the food is... <laughs> the the food is not you know five star hotel or McDonald's. It's the same game you're going to buy just you know four months later. I respect yeah. the fact that you're arguing for being a smarter consumer. I, I get that. I think it's I think it's wise, and I think I, it's something I advocate for all the time. I tell people to wait. I'm not one of those people that's able to wait, both because of my profession and and because of my mindset. And I, I I'm a little embarrassed by that. I I do have to have the newest, latest, best. I'm I'm that guy. Uh, I don't think that's the wisest position. It's certainly not the most frugal position. But and so in that sense, I'm. I'm agreeing with you. Like, yes, be a wiser consumer. Don't have to have it on day one. But that doesn't mean that games are, as a hobby, are cheaper because you can be smarter about 
spending less. I think that the idea of a baseline price at $60 that everything is and there's it, it takes into account nothing about the product itself other than it's a video game is is a ridiculous situation to be in. Mm. And I'm hoping that as we as we get more into digital distribution, that fluctuation, that sort of steam sale mentality will permeate into the console space, but it hasn't yet. And I don't th- I don't think that no. giving game games away on Xbox Live or PSN is the, is the same. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let, so as let's move on to another topic in just a second, but I'm, I'm going to ask you guys about how would be the appropriate way of pricing a game, because as you know, you guys are representatives of the great capitalistic wonderland that the, the America <laughs> is. Don't um, put that juju on me. Um, And that dictates that the right price is the the price consumers are going to pay. But let's look at it a little bit differently. Let's say, what would be the right price for a game like, I don't know, Advanced Warfare, um, which will provide people who enjoy it with countless hours of multiplayer entertainment? Like... Mm -hmm. It, this, if, if one of the ways I, I like uh, deciding whether or not something is worth my money is I try to count the amount of time I'm going to enjoy it uh, as it relates to the price. So, for example, I usually say if I'm ready to pay 10 bucks or 15 bucks for a movie at the movie theater and that's a couple of hours then probably a game that I'm going to enjoy for 10 hours, I wouldn't mind paying 50 bucks. Right? right? That seems like a fair uh, uh, way of assessing the price. So you, you're saying that, well, okay, there is different pricing to be found, but 50 bucks or 60 bucks is too much. How much do you think would be acceptable for a game like yeah, this Modern is Warfare? Problem. It's kind of complicated because well, I'll tell you what Activision would prefer. So this is what Activision would rather you do. Because people are buying their game for $59 and they're getting a six-hour campaign, but then they're getting forever time to play the multiplayer, what they would prefer is to do what Blizzard does with World of Warcraft. They would prefer a subscription service where people paid 12 bucks a month to play Call of Duty. They would do that over this other thing any day of the week, and they would sell, like people have been asking for for years, they would sell the multiplayer as a separate thing, and they would do that as a subscription-based game. The problem is you have an entire industry that is built up around certain mores and standards and not standards, but expectations and the expectation, the genie, that genie is out of the bottle. It's like trying to make me go back to AOL and pay uh, per hour for my internet. It's not going to happen. So players would revolt. Now, if it had started that way, then that would be different. I also believe that even Blizzard couldn't launch a new MMO and expect to charge a, a subscription fee and expect the same level of attach rate they got in 2004. So I feel like a lot of this is just what is established as a norm, then what are publishers willing to do? And as much as they would love that, and that would be not only fair to them, but maybe even to us, because I would only pay for the months I played, we're not willing to do it. We want to just pay the one flat fee and have eternal multiplayer. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is we want everything for cheap. Yeah, well, I think it's not so much... Yes, of course, that's what we want. I'm, I'm trying to assess what's, what would be fair. I want to pay what... I want to pay for things that are good. I do. I want to support artists. I want to support creators. I want to support developers with money for things. The problem <laughs> is sometimes you'll get a game like Unity, Assassin's Creed Unity, and go, ugh, that wasn't worth 10 
but I'll play back Black Flag a year ago and go, that was totally worth 50. So a lot of times you don't know what you were willing to pay until after you played it. Uh, that's exactly I, that's, right. Yeah. To, to say that, oh, I'm going to get X number of hours out of this before you have played it. I think that's you're guessing. Right. And yeah. unfortunately, yeah. most of these In companies the same way are I'm asking, guessing when I go to the movies. Well, well, no, you know exactly how long the movie's going to be, but uh, <laughs> the, I think that the real crime here, not crime, but the real shame here is that most of these, uh, most of these companies are asking you to make that assessment and pre-order the game, order it before it is even a thing. Like, They're you not know, asking you to do that. You're doing that. Well, they certainly Maybe. want you to. They'll, yeah, well, they they'll, want sell you, to. Uh, they'll sell you Uncharted 4 right now on the PSN store, even though that game has no release date and we, ha- we know nothing about it. They, they're not, yeah. selling, P- they're they not sh- selling Uncharted 4. Stop spreading they are. falsehoods. They are. They absolutely are. You can go on PSN right, right now and buy it. Really? Yeah. Okay. And so, you know all right. What? Well, you don't have you know to else? do it. You know what else, Patrick? You <laughs> can are. buy it right now on PSN and no refunds are available. Yeah. No matter what. We don't want to do it now. There's, we know. Well, but but that, that's what they're asking. He, no, of course. He, my the greater point that I want to make. But you here, don't though, have to. Is my yeah. yeah. But of course on. you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. But right. The point is they they'll they're gladly taking your money based on a one sided information flow. Right. They, they have all the information and you have zero. Uh, anyway, the, the greater point I want to make here is that. I th- I truly believe that if the baseline price was thirty or forty dollars for video games, the industry as a whole would sell a lot more video games. Yes, the big fish like Call of Duties of the world, although Call of Duty is down twenty seven percent, which affected the Activision stock price. It's the yeah. biggest selling game of the year, and it's down twenty seven percent year to year. That says is- a lot. The fact that it's both the biggest selling game and and, and compared to twenty eleven's uh, Modern Warfare three which I didn't right. think was very good, but that it's half of what that was at this point in its sales cycle. It's crazy. So I, I truly believe that if, if the, the baseline price of, of all video games was, was 30 or 40 bucks, even though the industry is never going to do that and also views it as devaluing their product, I truly believe more units would be sold overall for more games and more mid-level games would sell better because people wouldn't have to make the decision of, well, I'm only going to be able to buy two or three games this year and I better make them the 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 Call of Duties of the world or the Maddens of the world or the the games that I think are the sort of big pillar games because I can't play all of them. I can't I can't approach my gaming hobby the same way I approach my movie going hobby, which is I can see a movie every weekend. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah I, t- I, t- I, t- I tend to agree just because if you if you're going to have an entire industry, um, a movie where, every weekend amounts to roughly a game a month. Um, Not for me. Well, if it's just me going, I guess. Yeah. If you're just taking yourself. I yeah. suppose. And, uh, and even more, if you have a family, you know, if you have to take the kids, it's. Yeah. But yeah. all right, I think we, we might have beaten that topic to death. But I'd be interested in, you know, hearing what the listeners have to say. And, uh, you know, I'd be interested in hearing the listeners say I'm right. So please do that <laughs> on, on Frenchspin.com uh, where you can leave comments to the show. Um, Oculus, the Rift, the savior of video games and telepresence and everything. 
just bought a couple of of really interested uh, of really interesting uh, companies. Um, the first one is Nimble VR, which is kind of like the leap. I don't know if you remember the the, the that little uh, USB accessory that would see your hands in a really detailed manner uh, that there were a couple of people who uh, did a hack with the Oculus Rift. They would attach it to the Rift and manage to uh, do a model of your hands in real time in the virtual reality of uh, of the, 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 the games that you would be playing. And there's another company called 13th Lab, which does kind of the same, uh, the same thing, but for your surroundings. So it captures your surroundings and modelizes it into the 3D world uh, that can be used by the software of the, the Oculus Rift. So essentially what they're tr- doing is trying to answer one of the issues um, that people have been, not issues maybe, but one of the concerns that people have been expressing when using the Rift is that it's so immersive that when you look down and don't see your hands or don't see your feet, it's kind of weird. Um, and that might allow them to actually solve that issue and make it even more realistic in the sense that you yourself are almost completely present in the world and uh, your surroundings might be as well. Um, I'm not super excited about the Rift, and I think I might get some flack for that. But um, Dude, holodeck, <laughs> holodeck. Holodeck. <laughs> so I have a problem. I don't see 3D as well as normal folk. Uh, um, and me, and when I, I tried the Oculus Rift, yeah. it was like having my you know a screen uh, two inches from my eyes, and that's basically what it was. It wasn't. I wasn't seeing the 3D effect quite well, almost not at all. So that might be why. That's a bummer. So because, you guys uh, have your amazing. 3D party while I sulk in the well, corner. Well, my problem, I have a problem with 3D, like, you know, regular 3D. I didn't have a problem with the Oculus Rift, though, uh, so much, especially since I had these eye surgeries, which are a whole other story about how that affected my gaming. But, uh, but uh, prior to that, it was kind of a problem because my left and right eye were so different. Now they're kind of the same. So it's a much easier thing. But I've always struggled with 3D movies. They give me headaches. They're kind of awful. The Rift, on the other hand, especially the uh, the uh, and I haven't played the latest model, but I did get some time on the uh, the dev the kit. Initial too. dev kit, yeah, yeah. I got the so I have the original dev kit sitting over here. That one's a little unwieldy and whatever. It's early, but the second one uh, was all those things were really improved for me. I could not be more excited about where VR is headed. Whether it's Oculus Rift, whether it's Morpheus, whether it's a hundred other competitors we haven't heard from yet, I don't know. But the idea of true presence. In, in in alternate worlds is something we've been promised since we were kids. And it's finally to a place where we really could experience this soon in real meaningful ways. So to not be excited about that stuff, I think is a little strange. And this isn't to call you out and call you strange because I do that on the regular anyway, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, there is, there is a real potential here for actual revolution and not just evolution in games. Yeah. And, I, and I don't know if it will reach it, if it will hit its mark. I don't know. But I'm super stoked to find out. I'm all in. Yeah, I am too, man. This, this is the most exciting field of, of the hobby right now for me. And I think it shows in, in how developers and just people in their garage are leaping onto this technology and thinking outside the box and coming up with really wonderful applications. And, and this is, we are at the beginning of this. This is, this is going to be so exciting over the next five to 10 years. We're going to see that this is where the, 
exciting part of of the hobby for me lives. And these two particular companies are pretty exciting as well. Like you said, being able to you know, raise your hands into the air and see them and, and articulate your fingers and have all that data translated in real time into into the virtual world is is key to creating a believable immersion. And and also this sort of real-time mapping of 3D spaces, uh, yes, will be cool for gaming, but I think even more cool for Hey, uh, do you want to walk around this apartment before you rent it? Uh, even though it's you know halfway across the country, well, just throw on your Oculus Rift. We we mapped it in real time, and you can just wander around and check it out. Um, that kind of not having to painstakingly model things because you can just hold up. These guys are holding up an iPhone five <laughs> and real time mapping a city. That is remarkable. That's remarkable, yeah. and uh, these are two pretty exciting technologies. I think. Yeah, first I think I'm more excited about the modeling of the of the world and our hands than I am for the 3D. But that that's maybe because I can't see it. Uh, yeah. that, Amiibo, that's, by the way, because yeah. it doesn't really account for people with eye stuff, and that's frustrating. But you know, maybe that will get easier or better or less intrusive, less of a giant box maybe. on your face. Like there's a lot of things they could innovate there. To maybe maybe the the more you know the the better resolution is going to help with that. Or I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with my eyes, but I know that about, I think 10% of the people don't really perceive 3D as well as, you know, they should. So no worries. we'll see, we'll see. I'm just hoping that in the end, I will be able to, to see it because the um, device will have improved and who cares about the other 10%? I, I don't mind. I'll just, I just want to see it myself. Uh, amiibos. Uh, what is happening with those things? <laughs> What's the deal? They're they're like they're 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 selling like crazy. It's I don't you know it's one of those things that I just don't get. I don't understand people. You don't understand crazy toys. <laughs> well, it's not like I guess like yeah. When you put it like that, I feel guilty about not understanding it, but. So, first of all, the communication about those things has been abysmal, I think. What do you do with them? So, you create a, a, a sort of AI character that you level up and that you... What the hell? And I don't then, think it matters. I think the fact that they've sucked on messaging, that they've sucked on uh, uh, letting making it so third parties can use them the way they want to, like all of these things where Nintendo has failed with the Amiibos, I think it hasn't mattered because people want those so bad. They don't even but want to Because look at little Mario. Oh, little yeah. Mario. Look at him. <laughs> it's little Samus. It's the, it's the collecting mentality. People want to get them all, and they want to have the rare ones and the hard-to-get ones, and there are already a bunch of those that yeah, are still good. And, it's and so there were... That market, you know? There were a couple of... Uh, like, three of them were relatively limited, limited runs. I think Marth... Um, from Fire Emblem, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, We Fit Trainer was limited as well. There were a couple of others, but and, and apparently there was a big brouhaha about whether or not they were going to be re-manufactured uh, or whether that was it for this run. And the, some of them went for crazy amounts on eBay. There was a legless um, uh, uh, Princess Peach. That went for a bunch of, I think it was a thousand five hundred dollars, because it was manufactured. It was a manufacturing mistake, and it was legless in the packaging. 
guys, I please explain to me this. why this is this is so. I mean, <laughs> we were talking about prices being too high, and Wait, now we have these me, things. If you're telling me Legolas is in the Princess Peach package, then yeah. I understand. <laughs> okay. um, you know, I what are they I doing Scott, in there? I think Scott is right on. I mean, it, it's it's collect. I, I think you're both right, actually. I think Patrick, the I think it's a it's a little bit weird the the functionality of these things, especially in relation to uh, Disney Infinity and Skylanders. I mean, I it it seemed like they had the the blueprint right there in front of them and they went a different direction which is a weird direction to me but it doesn't matter as scott said because they are really sort of cool looking little knickknacks that you s- stick on your shelf that that are beloved characters that people like <laughs> so I, it kind of doesn't matter because people dig that stuff so yeah. it's really just about the toys like the because for you know Disney Infinity and and Skylanders you I understand you you have this thing in the physical world you put it on the uh, on the portal or whatever and then it's in the game and you kind of can play with it and you take it away with you and you you know you transport that game figure into the physical world well with more the amiibos landers though more skylanders than than disney because mm-hmm. in disney's case i actually think it's very similar because most of the people i know that are into infinity especially the adults uh they're not playing it for the game or getting it for the game they're getting those for the same reason they're getting the nintendo ones and if you think the about shelf. it Nintendo has often been called the 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 disney of video games and yeah, in a lot of ways it really is so i i think the collectability is a huge deal because we're talking about characters with huge histories and all that kind of stuff whether it's skylanders they're just making the shit up as they go and it's like not that big a deal the other the other thing too uh patrick is i predict there will be a software product from nintendo that is the adventure game a la uh, skylanders I, I i just i think that it's weird the functionality for Super Smash Brothers. I feel like they should have gone with the uh, you know build this avatar, level up this avatar, bring him to your friend's house type thing. Not, not the AI version. That seems mm. odd to me. But I also think that it doesn't preclude them from using the amiibos in other games in a way that's more similar to what Skylanders and Disney Infinity are doing. That would be interesting, I suppose. Mm. But all right. Anyway, amiibos craziness. Um, which again is one that old man Patrick with no heart uh, apparently doesn't understand. This is a theme, a theme for this episode. <laughs> I agree. Old man, old Patrick. man Patrick. I don't see 3D and I hate toys. <laughs> <laughs> I also video kind of have a dislike cheap. for happiness. Yeah. Sorry, Scott. This is that video games are too damn cheap. <laughs> no, I'm saying they're really cheap and that's cool. No. Um, no. All right, old man Patrick again strikes again um did you guys see that reaction to the new character on uh, tekken 7 did, did no. you hear about that miss this Who, well, what happened all right so there's a new character that was revealed a character from the upcoming tekken 7 which is a fighting game um and she's called lucky chloe and she's a weird uh, japanese idol type teenager uh weirdly dressed with cat paw uh, gloves uh, and, uh, you know, headphones and, like, knee pads, like she's going skating, but she's really not. Um, And she has this cutesy voice. Anyway, they did a one-minute video reveal of the character. And I I don't want to say the internet freaked out because that's, you know, a, a very... 
uh, commonplace saying, which is not accurate. Some people started saying, oh, I really hope, I, I think it was either 4chan or, or oh, it was NeoGAF. NeoGAF, uh, there was a thread where people were saying, I really hope this character is not real and like she's so stupid and she looks like an idiot and we don't want to play that in a fighting game. And then um, the uh, producer of the series, uh, Katsuhiro Harada, said, well, fine, if you don't want it, it's uh, exclusive to Europe and the, and the US. Uh, I'm sorry, to Europe and Japan, and you won't get it in the US. And then people were like, wait, are you, are you serious? And he's like, yes, I'm always serious. If you don't need it, we won't give it to you. And I'm guessing he's not actually <laughs> serious, but... How do people have this kind of reaction to this character when, let me remind you that Tekken is a game where you can play, you know, a kangaroo, a bear, a, um, a, a robot girl that loses parts as she's fighting. Um, you can play... Anyway, Tekken is such a silly game in the character design you have the devil and you have angel and you have people generations of uh, uh heroes murdering one another by throwing them each other in volcanoes and stuff like that uh, why does well, that you, bother people it's the internet patrick you really you really don't see why this could maybe be in poor taste in some people's view i mean we, we, we're coming off a a year in video gaming that has has been uh, one of the main themes in the culture has been about I inclusiveness and uh, trying to create a um, a gender welcoming kind of uh, situation in the hobby. Uh, this sort of prepubescent, sexualized. Uh, you, you didn't see how that could possibly be in poor taste in some people's view. So yes, um, keeping in mind that I'm a very um strong proponent of feminism i've i've written about gamergate i've you know i've i've have expressed my views many a time that there is a problem in the gaming industry and in the representation of females in in uh the gaming industry i, I think this one is kind of borderline offensive but really borderline if we want to be upset about things i'm not sure she's the one to start with and second of all i don't think the thread was about that i don't think neo gaff was saying uh again the japanese people you know the the japanese and japanese culture and companies depict women in a, a disparaging manner and this is unacceptable in today's uh, video game industry maybe you should rethink this character they were just saying she looks silly and we don't want to play an idol and well you know, I, i'm the last person to try to figure out what neogaf is saying um <laughs> but um but you know i i you can't kind of figure out why why people think some things are dumb and some things aren't but uh, a girl with like mittens that look like bunny paws and fake ears. There, you know, I can yeah, see why some people would feel yeah. turned off by it's all just, of it's that tacky. imagery. You know, it's, it's tacky. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tacky seven. Yeah. I've always thought Tekken was a little tacky anyway. But I mean, fighting games in general have always had this uh, problem. It's always been. It's kind of a. 
I mean, my experience has been if you like anime, then you like what fighting games are bringing from Japan. If you don't like anime, you think most of it's silly and you're there for the mechanics. Um, so if that's their problem, well, that's a problem that that just deals with personal taste and and then people who think their personal taste should subvert everyone else's. But when it comes to, you know, the over sexualization of a character or something, that's usually fairly obvious. What's the old quote from the Supreme Court justice who said, I know it when I see it or whatever. I feel like that's true of this kind of stuff. But having not really seen the story or met, seen much of the article, this feels like a lot of barking over. over she's not overly sexualized, honestly. She's it, it doesn't bother me. And she's also a character that's in a fighting game. She's fighting. It's not it's not. Um, uh, maybe you know, women in the audience will tell me that she's horrible and offensive, but she's not a uh, dead or alive type character. You know, the the huge breasted uh, women that fight in bikinis. She's not that. Um, mm -hmm. And she's yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway. All right, let let's move on. Uh, I thought it was interesting that the you know the the internet had that reaction to that for a character in that game <laughs> that. Harada was trolling everyone, going like, yeah, well, you don't like it, you're not going to get it. And, you know, it's funny that we live in an age where, especially the Japanese producers, uh, I guess Harada and, you know, for Tekken and Street Fighter, um, have such a voice and are so followed and they can actually respond to people saying those things. So mm -hmm. anyway, um, the next one is kind of an outlier. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about Lindsay Lohan's new video game. Oh, yeah. Bear with me. Yeah. And Kim Kardashian's video game, which both are on um, mobile devices. But looking into, uh, again, Polygon praising the uh, Lindsay Lohan uh, game, Uh, for, you know, being self-aware and kind of trashy, I found another article back from July um, about Kim Kardashian's Hollywood. And the point of uh, Tracy Lean, which was the, the writer, um, was that that game is about fulfilling a fantasy, just in the same way that our beloved role-playing games are about fulfilling a fantasy, except ours are, you know, nerd fantasies about killing dragons, and theirs is about, I, I don't know, maybe prom fantasies about living in Hollywood. And it's really just about fulfilling the fantasy, which is what video games are about. Um, so it kind of gave me a new outlook on these games. Um, mm. When's the last time you guys have been in a mall? Because I, I, I have a mall experience that kind of blew my mind. All right, um, go ahead. I'm in a local mall, and we were shopping for stuff, Christmas stuff and that. And I was in the food court area thing, and there were a bunch of kids hanging out, which is great. That's what American kids should be doing. They should be hanging out at the mall. That's what I did. That's what they should be doing. It's good. So I'm walking around, and I notice there are a quantifiable number of young ladies probably ages, I don't know, if I was to guess, between 15 and 17, maybe, all sitting around on their phones, not texting, not, uh, you know, talking, but playing that Kim Kardashian game. And 
I saw one girl pick it up and check her status like three or four times while they were in there while we were eating. I noticed this on a plane or my trip to Anaheim, actually. Two different uh, seats, two different girls, both playing the Kardashian game when the plane took off and when it landed. Um, It's clearly got an audience. I mean, that stuff is somebody wants to play that. And I don't I am in I am in one of those positions with this kind of game where I don't feel like I have anything to say because they don't have my problem the way I want to play every roguelike that ever comes out ever. Every indie <laughs> roguelike game, as soon as you say the word roguelike, I'm playing your game and I don't care what it costs. That seems a little obsessive on my side. I don't I don't see how it's any different for them to to want to play that weird Kardashian stuff because it's in their wheelhouse. Apparently that's the thing they're into and they'll be into it, you know, whether it's temporarily or for the next 50 years, that becomes the dominant genre. I have no idea. But um, but even beyond that, I mean, the fact that it's just as much a role-playing game, it's just a different setting. Uh, you know, it's just like we play D&D role-playing games on our computers. They play Hollywood role-playing games, yeah, you know? Exactly. Sure. I think that's absolutely the case. And bravo for gaming. Huzzah for... Uh, gaming to be accepted by you know a, a new audience that's that's pretty cool um, the only my only point of um concern i guess is is what kind of fantasies are are we uh as a culture are we uh um putting on a pedestal you know like the botoxing your face and making sure you're skinny enough for that or you know making sure you spend however many dollars on getting into the club well, in the context of a game, I... it's kind of fun, but if, 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 if we're, you know, there's plenty of people who had concerns over me playing dragon games in the late 80s because they thought I was, you know, becoming a Satanist. And I thought that was patently <laughs> ridiculous. So maybe my concern here is patently ridiculous, but it does give me pause of like, oh, what, what are the ideals that we are promoting here as a culture, uh, sure. Is, well, that, that, who's an concerns. old man now? Well, you this can guy start, with the thumbs. We don't. We start. don't have. We, we don't have to go as far back back as Dungeons and Dragons. You know, when when we were youngins, people are playing. You know, putting on a pedestal. To use your words, we're playing uh, Grand Theft Auto and and you know stealing cars, slapping bitches, and uh, murdering enough. people. Right, and and of Fair course, enough. it's a you know. It's uh, weird hearing uh, a French guy say it, though. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, it's it's my new ringtone Slapping now, though. Slapping <laughs> um, No, but, you're but, right. You know, like, when, I was, when I was blowing dudes up with a rocket launcher in Quake, you, you, you know, same people had the same concerns. And in the 50s, people had concerns about comic books. I mean, there's always this, right? So that it, here's the thing, though. As a guy with two daughters who does want them to... To, to to lean into life and take it by the by the you know by Both. the neck and, and own it you know it, they to to have them if they were all into this Kardashian game as a dad I'd be like well those are there's nothing in there that's actually like like a good long term plan like and not that you're <laughs> going to get that out of Grand Theft Auto or anything else but. And I'm not saying these girls are like diving in going, oh, this is like real life. And one day I will be like Kim Kardashian and I'll have my own sex tape that will rocket me to, to stardom. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what's in their heads. But maybe, just maybe, it's just escapist fun like it is for us. I don't know. I think you're, you're spot on. And I also, I suspect, uh, Scott, you wouldn't let your son at 10 play Grand Theft Auto just like you wouldn't let your daughter at 10 play these. I mean, some of these exactly. fantasies aren't kid appropriate. But... Yeah. I do think that, you know, to, to sort of go 180 degrees on what I 
I had just been saying, I think it's right. You're absolutely right. It's, it, if, we have to, if we have to argue that shooting a thousand dudes in the face and seeing their heads rip off isn't going to adversely affect me, then I have to, you know, I have to admit that Botoxing your face and 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 the tone of these games too, from what I have read, is pretty tongue in cheek. Yeah. You know that in the same way that Grand Theft Auto is tongue in cheek and ha ha, look look at how crazy weird we can be. These these games are in the same vein. So I think you have to give people credit for uh, understanding that oh, this isn't a textbook for life. This is a hilarious fantasy. You know. Uh, Fake fiction, <laughs> fantasy, fake fiction. Yeah, yeah he said eloquently. Beautiful age restriction and the parenting bit is really important that you mention, and it's all about yeah, for sure knowing when it's appropriate. I mean, it wouldn't have been appropriate for me to play Quake Three at age eight. It just wouldn't have been. <laughs> so when did you start playing Quake? Well, eight and a half. Quake came out. <laughs> right. How old? How old, Scott? Uh, Ninety six. I would have been twenty six. So I was oh, already my twenties. Wow. Okay. But but my point my point is like you know I remember seeing this just happened to me recently. I saw a movie in the seventies when I was very young. I was probably eight years old, like nineteen seventy eight, and I saw this very old movie uh, that depicted somebody breaking into a room, grabbing this woman, and then breaking open a fish tank. And then severing her head in the fish tank with the glass of the fish tank. Now, even now, that nice. sounds terrifying and horrifying. Yes. But it really, it was at a friend's house and it disturbed the hell out of me as a little kid. Like, really messed me up for quite a while. I recently decided to go face that demon and see that movie all these years later. I thought you were going to say, and buy a fish tank. Yeah. <laughs> finally. Finally face my real fear and buy a fish tank. So I bought, so I watched that movie. And it's super dumb, boring, and not very shocking. It's like real cheesy and ham-fisted and dumb. But it would cer- certainly wasn't for an eight-year-old kid. So, so it's a really good point to make. You know, you just when you're making these decisions as parents, uh, not to turn this all into a parenting thing, but you know, pay attention to those kind of things. And you kind of know. You just sort of intuitively know your three-year-old daughter, probably your five-year-old daughter, should not probably play the Kardashian game, and your five-year-old son should probably not play Grand Theft Auto. Auto. But when they're older. You know, my daughter's 17 now. She really wanted to read the Game of Thrones books. I think 17's okay. I think that's a yeah. good time to do it. But when she 15, was six or seven or eight, when okay. she was reading like crazy, no, it wouldn't yeah. have been. No. It would have been a terrible time. So, yeah. So the answer is parenting. Parenting is always the answer. Yes. Good parenting, yeah. damn it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting that these games are doing for a new demographic what it was do what they were doing for nerds like us, uh, you know, what it has been doing for 20 years. So, yeah, uh, hopefully, we'll see other games that are actually, you know, apparently well designed games like those and not a, a, an avalanche of Candy Crush and crap like that. You no, know, the scary part of these two games is how much money they're making and how much <laughs> it's all it's all in app purchases. I mean, that's yeah. a whole different discussion, but. That's yeah. the scary part for me. Not not it, it's the conditioning of of how you pay for these games rather than yeah, what's in them. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's uh, divorce Kanye and still be okay kind of money that thing makes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big, exactly. big money. Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait for Kim Kardashian's uh, Hollywood two. What could she do? In, what what I could she go? Think they're making another one, dude. Yeah. Oh wow. Of course. The thing is outrageous. It's the Minecraft of of Botox simulators. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what isn't? It's uh, The Witcher 3, who apparently CD Projekt was like, 
crap, crap, all those games are releasing and they're like full of bugs. Mm, it seems The Witcher 3 is kind of full of bugs. Maybe we're gonna delay it and do the right thing. Do you think yeah, that was their? Do you think that was their move? Because I'm not. I, I know that was what they did and they even said, but I don't know that that was their panic. I don't know. I I feel like CD Projekt because they're an independent developer still has a lot of power in being able to tell themselves, a la Blizzard and others who have done this over the years, they've got the culture to say, guys, we're not ready, and it probably helped that all the other big, especially Ubisoft games this year all came out with lots of issues and it was an easy decision for them to say, we don't want to be that kind of developer. I don't know if it was so much, oh no, you guys, we got to, you know, do something. I I feel like they were more in a very, you know, hushed Polish tone uh, decided (laughs) to take a little time and, and do it right. And that's a, as a gamer who wants, um, you know, value for that 50 bucks, I'm super stoked that they were willing to do it because that game looks amazing and I can't wait to play it in whatever best shape they can release it in. So yeah, bring it. I think there's also the fact that they didn't plan the release for uh, the holiday season, which helps because when you well, do, you have. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess yeah, I guess that's true. Um, well, there's one, the second there's delay. Big, um, one big competition this year would have been going head to head with Dragon Age, and I'm I'm super glad they didn't because as it turns out, in EA's favor this year, that is a really good game, relatively bug free, and. Um, a real strong contender for me for game of the year. And I would have not wanted those two competing with each other because they're essentially kind of going to scratch the same general itch. So yeah. the fact that I can have that experience later is, is also a good thing for me. Um, yeah. I haven't played dragon age yet. I'm getting it for Christmas. That's fantastic. It's really good. It is good. Yeah. Um, PlayStation goes to China and uh, Xbox lowers prices in China as well. Uh, PlayStation is going to arrive in China in January. Uh, that's significant because the there is a, a middle class in China that can afford video game consoles, and the market is huge. And that might, you know, influence a little bit the way people develop games um, to an extent. But we were saying last uh, episode that Xbox was doing really well and selling well, and um, apparently it's been confirmed with. One 1.2 million units sold in November alone in the U.S. Uh, with a significant, um, uh, uh, better, per- significantly better performance than uh, PS4 and Wii U, as we were discussing. Um, so again, good job Xbox One. That happens when you drop the price. Yeah, exactly. Basically, interesting. They had to do it. Whenever I hear you know, I th- console forays into China, it always surprises me because I, I always felt like they should have already been there. And then when I hear they're just well, now, there was a ban. Uh, yeah, I remember that. But I always, I just always think that China's further along that way. They've they've been doing a lot with uh, you know mm-hmm. League of Legends, StarCraft, Warcraft, everything else for so long, and and there are huge games we don't even know about over there that are killing it. So it's just always surprises me that we don't have those there yet but i but i get it and it's and i guess this is progress um well if you think uh playstation is going to sell well in china imagine how well play situation will sell on the streets of china the <laughs> playstation knockoff console right play situation <laughs> yeah uh, you know i love i there there are a few things in this life that i've loved more than the weird chinese knockoffs that i've either found or been sent to me over the years <laughs> and they're amazing like the the i i think one of them was like an iphone it was an iphone was <laughs> fern, and it was yeah, this man. janky crappy phone ripoff like they're awesome i got these i bought controllers there on a visit years ago for my ps2 and they were on that one of those street vendor things and it was so cheap and i swore those looked like the real thing got them home 
Rumble didn't work, and they broke within the first three days. Of course. But it didn't matter. Thanks, China. Just, it was so great because they were like three bucks US, you know? <laughs> so it's almost like fun to experiment with. But, man, what a weird dichotomy that place is sometimes. And, you know, who knows how this goes for consoles. I'm, I'm sure ripoffs appear, right? They have to. That's oh, just yeah. The way. Oh, yeah, for sure. Half their economy. <laughs> place but, I mean, the, the, the market is, is so huge. It's going to be a big, big part of the... Um, of the uh, of where the manufacturers are going to be making their money uh, going forward. I mean, traditionally we've had U.S., uh, Europe, and Japan, and you know the rest of the world was kind of a bundle that didn't bring in much. Um, and now, very quickly, I'm guessing China is going to be a big part of it as well. Um, so I, I guess it's you know what what strikes me the most is that through all those things and even with all of the control that the Chinese government is going to exert over the games that are released and how they're released and all of that, it is a little bit of Western slash Japanese culture that's going to seep into China even more um, with these games. And as someone who has discovered Japanese culture um, through mangas and video games and went on to learn Japanese and live in Japan for a few years, um, I'm interested to see how that will influence uh, the Chinese culture. Wait so. until they get the Kim Kardashian game over there. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the Kim Sardinkachin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some other game. So there's a Windows 10 event in January, and um, apparently there's going to be some talking about Xbox yeah. uh, and some games on Windows. Mm. Um, what do you guys think uh, Phil Spencer is going to go say there? I don't want him to be... Well, okay. Microsoft is, is one of the great examples of one of those... Uh, uh, Apple comes close with not having a good streaming uh, monthly paying, payment subscription music service. Uh, despite the fact of pioneering the digital music space and not having that this deep into it and letting Spotify and others just eat their lunch. So they're close to me on this, but when it comes to a company who literally owns the platform, owns Windows, and having missed out on not being Steam, on not being a million other kinds of services, or not truly being a game pioneer on the platform where people play games, blows my mind to this day. So when they say things like this, Part of me wants to get cynical and go, whatever, dude, you guys have talked a lot of talk before, but I'm very hopeful. I'll be hopeful this time that maybe they finally, after decades of seeing the light, that they should try to at least compete well, if not dominate the very space they own with good products. Um, yes, that'd be great. If they do lots of crossover gameplay stuff, a lot of simultaneous releases, all of those things would be wonderful to hear, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, it's uh, it's not for one to try in, right? They, remember games for Windows? That was <laughs> Who pretty terrible. That was um, so yeah, I think that I think there was another one before that that they attempted. I can't remember what that was called, but the yeah, it doesn't it doesn't um, engender a lot of faith in their <laughs> ability mm-hmm. to pull this off. I fear more likely. I mean, we've seen this this leaked Windows 10 uh, Xbox app. And I mm-hmm. fear that it, it will amount to little more than that. It will just be, hey, you get to look at your achievements on your PC, everybody. <laughs> Woo! Um. Yeah, it might be. Um, I mean, the previous four efforts were kind of half-assed, I would say. They sort of went into it and then they were like, oh, but we have the Xbox and, you know. But I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to see at least a a game store or part of the Windows store be for serious games. 
Um, so at least we're going to have that. I'm, I'm, my feeling is, um, and then nice letting people play over, you know, let's say the new halo, halo five, a big announcement would be, guess what? Halo five also coming to the PC the same week and you can play each other. Although I don't, don't really recommend the yeah. control keyboard thing, but still, if that, if that was a simultaneous release, even without crossplay, that'd be an enormous get for windows gamers. And they'd be huge into that idea. I agree a hundred percent and it's not going to happen. It won't. It well, won't the thing is sell Xboxes and they need to sell those right now. The, yeah. they, they, the Xbox is, has its own, I mean, a console has its own strength. I mean, by the time Windows 10 releases, uh, they're going to be 300 bucks, right? They're already around 350 for this holiday season. Next holiday season is going to be 300 bucks. I'm not sure it's going to deter people from buying an Xbox if you can play many of the same games on your PC because a PC is always going to be more expensive. Mm. Uh, and they do need to compete somehow with Steam because Steam is stealing their business in, well, not stealing. That's obviously over Stolen harsh. is what they've done. They've <laughs> yeah, stolen. so they've taken the, the business of games on, on Windows. And I don't think the Steam box has gone away. I think it's dormant and it's going to come back at some point. And, you know, when the... the hardware is going to be cheap enough and they figured out uh, everything there is to figure out with this and it could in return attack uh, you know the console market so I think they it wouldn't be I'm not sure they're going to do it but I think it could make sense to do something even as crazy as saying you know well maybe not Xbox games Xbox One games playable on PCs that would be cuckoo but um at least games that are coming to the Xbox, coming to uh, Windows through our system as well, could make sense. Yeah, maybe. I, I know that from a, a – I know I'm supposed to want competition. <laughs> I know that from a, a competition is almost always better for the consumer. But you love Steam so much. But what – I mean, come no, on. I do too. I, I do why too. Why do I, I want – why as a consumer do I care about this at all? What, what could – what could they possibly give me that Steam doesn't give me? Well, and and, and the, the, the only thing that it Halo. seems that they can bring to this table is a splintered base of games. Like, oh, some games are available over here on this Windows thing and some games are available over here on this Steam thing. And now I have to have both stupid things in, installed and I can't have one <laughs> friends list across both. And uh, crap. It, it feels yeah. like I, yeah. I know I'm supposed to want competition, but yeah. I like one unified ecosystem where my gaming happens and steam is it yeah, yeah it, I, I, I that's the funny thing is they're almost going the other direction that steam's fighting the the fight that steam is having which is they're trying to get into a space where they are console like where steam boxes are a thing and they're your living room is big picture mode and and all of that and they're and they're struggling there they're trying to figure that out they're not you know it's not live or die and it's all very experimental but they're still trying and kind of hitting against some philosophical walls and they don't really know what to do it's because their focus their area of focus they've done so well and microsoft's having the same problem their area of focus on consoles has been really good for them the last eight years they've had a little stumble out of the gate here but i think they'll be fine and um it's it's again because they own the operating system it still feels odd to me but they they're awkward there they don't know what they're doing the mindset isn't right and so i'm kind of with you i don't necessarily need them to fumble in there i mean origin tried to be steam now origin is just where you get your ea games yeah. uh, if you want them and 
you know, Ubisoft is still struggling with their piece of garbage thing. You play thing I hate. It's fine. So it's fine, but it's not fine. It's it's okay, but it's not great. And the you know the fact that Steam continues to just sort of give us what we need and want. Yeah, I agree. Before we knew we needed it or wanted it, just shows how strong that is. And if you're going to challenge that, you better have a really good plan. And yeah, in- I I also get the feeling that it's a really tough challenge, and I don't see them having a really good plan. Um, as you're saying, or maybe I, not I don't see desire, because if they really want to get more Xboxes sold, having a stronger PC presence isn't necessarily the way to do that. Yeah, but look at what Satya Nadella has been doing. He's like, we have to be everywhere. And I don't care that this is another platform. With, uh, you know, Office is available everywhere and we are selling software as a service now. So I don't know. He's got ideas and they're good. It seemed like good ideas. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not and I'm not. You know, I think he's I'm not a, holding my breath either. I guess. Yeah, I just don't know that they care because uh, they because uh, when I say things like, "Ooh, they own the platform," they should also own the gaming world on that platform. Well, they own the platform. Maybe that's enough. Mm-hmm. You know, like Maybe. in a lot of ways, Steam, aka Valve, is very beholden to them. As much as they're, you know, uh, evangelizing Linux and everyone should move to Linux and developers should make everything on Linux. That's great and all, but they need Windows. Microsoft has Windows, you know, so yeah. in a lot of ways, it's kind of maybe they don't need to. And maybe mm-hmm. we pr- prefer them not to be both owner and proprietor of everything I do in Windows. Um, maybe maybe yeah. I would be irritated if Microsoft tried to dominate it too much and, you know, throw their considerable weight around like they do with Explorer and other things in their past where you were kind of forced to use their thing. And I, I guess I don't want that either. I don't know. It's a weird thing, though. That whole thing is weird to me. That whole business. The other thing that's weird to you and everyone is Paul McCartney in that Destiny music video thing. Well, is the that real? The frustration generator. I, that's, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Destiny? Here we call it the frustration generator. <laughs> you know, uh, I heard you, Scott. <laughs> I heard you on Boop yeah. calling me out. You know oh, what? Yeah. You don't have to like that game. You're telling everyone to relax. Yeah. You relax, Johnson. No, I don't need to like it. You're right. I want to like it is the problem. I want Destiny to be but, one of those 2014 experiences that I look at and go, hot damn, we're in the next generation, everybody. I just am so bored. You know what? Destiny is excellent at one thing. It's excellent at shooting enemies in the head. And that's what you do. That is all you do. If you don't enjoy that in Destiny, you're not going to enjoy Destiny. I mean, it's built like level cap MMO type of thing around shooting enemies in the head. That's all you do all day long. I expect out of my shooters now, I guess. I don't know. The same enemies in the same way, in the same place, day after day. Exactly. The same, and if you don't enjoy it... With the, the same very poor Peter Dinklage uh, voiceover for your little yes. rock thing. Like, it's... <laughs> I should call that, but whatever. It's just... Destiny it wanted to be... For me, in my head, I was like, ooh, a, a sleek, sci-fi, really cool, dark vision of what essentially Borderlands is, is what I really wanted. Well, that's what they led everyone to believe. Yeah, um, and it's, it's not that. Worse. Yeah. Oh no! I'll no, tell you. Of course better, not. There's a better four-player co-op game uh, that's actually been free on PCs forever and is on PS4 exclusively right now, as also free to play. Uh, and that game is called Warframe, and I have more fun in Warframe, and it's a, basically the exact same concept. It's go in, get okay. a bunch of stuff, earn XP. Scott, at some point, you have to let it go. <laughs> 
Just leave it be. It's oh, destiny. Right. You shoot people if in the head. If only there was some sort of song that could remind you of that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I can't think of one off the top of my head that uses. Oh well, the maybe someday. Go. Yeah. So what is what is this <laughs> thing? Wait, I don't have. No, I don't have it here. What? Oh. I'm going to listen to this for just a second. No, I, I, I apologize. I didn't mean to do that. I thought no, it's all right. This is some high-tech high stuff, tech stuff, though. I want to hear how we do this. <laughs> no. Oh, Not what I was expecting. Not what no, I was expecting. I thought he was going to pull out you his... You were expecting something else. The wickedly talented Adele Dazeem is what I expected. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. <laughs> Uh, but this is actually Destiny. It's. Did you see the video? Oh, that. Yeah, I saw part of it. I kind of can't stomach doing the whole. Thing. I can't do it. It's Paul McCartney, and he's great, and what a legacy. But I, I like. I, I wanted to look at the Kenobi video but, style. I wanted yeah. to look at the video, but the link that you posted was in French, so I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. <laughs> and and no one knows has how to click on a link on a I have French no idea. page. Once I see a different language, I'm like, ah, I need a cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, he's out. Wait, someone's calling me. Stop! Stop! I need a no. cheeseburger. <laughs> be gone. There you go. There, be gone. So that's um, bad. Anyway, yeah. Oh, and also you can keep grinding in Destiny because your progress will uh, carry over in the next game. So, Scott, yeah. everything you've been doing has not been for nothing. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I even played it yesterday. I, I, I fired it up and got mid-match of where I left off because I hadn't touched it for like a month. And I just thought, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll get in here and then Patrick. Yeah, that's what you were saying. In, yeah. and I, just, I, I, I don't care that you don't like it. I You're know, the only one who cares that you don't like it. You know that we have, you know, when you have, you have friends who are gamers and you, and you want, you love the shared experiences. Like when you, when you find out your buddy is totally into the thing you're into and you're both trying to beat each other's scores and crossy road or whatever dumb thing you're playing. And that's always such a great shared experience. And to find out my good friend from France just can't be on the same page as me with Destiny. Yeah, you, know, little... <laughs> you mean you, we can't hate it together? Yeah, we can't hate it together. <laughs> you, yeah, it doesn't you... bother anybody else that uh, you know Destiny was supposed to be a platform, not a game. It was supposed to have this massive lifespan, and yet they're already talking about a sequel? Yeah, it's well, a little they bothered. said... No, no, no. They said the IP had a 10-year plan development thing. It wasn't. It yeah, was never. I heard the to game be. was going to be a platform that that yeah. they were going to update via DLC, and it was going to be constantly evolving like an MMO. Not I don't think like, they ever hey, came tune in out next and said November that. when Destiny Two is announced. Yeah, yeah I don't I'm, think they've I'm ever said Jeff. that. But, I'm with uh, Jeff. I feel like that was if they didn't say it uh, verbatim. They implied it. They implied it, and yes, and the very strongly. The implication's a big one. Like that's a that's a far-reaching piece of piece of business there. And they're not really fulfilling it. If it's making players happy and they're enjoying it while they've got it, great. They may have had an assessment where they went, all right, well, it's sold like crazy. Second best-selling game of the year uh, right behind Call of Duty. So we're, we're pleased with the numbers. Uh, but we, we can't deliver on what we kind of promised. So how about a sequel where we actually do that? I think it was planned from the beginning. They I just didn't say it like that because the hype was so much better when they were, you know, they were letting everyone believe what they wanted to believe by not saying exactly what it was, which was, it was a, a penis move um, to stay <laughs> PG-13. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I've been learning, I've been learning a few of those. Uh, a few penis moves? Yeah, I've been trying to, I've been trying to work on it. 
<laughs> so yes, it was that, but anyway. So yes, Destiny is not half the game we were hoping it was going to be, but uh, we were shooting for the moon. So, um, you know, we're halfway between the earth and the moon. <laughs> And that's that metaphor done. Um, all right, let's let's finish off with uh, the video game awards and the PlayStation experience. Um, I just want to hear what you guys thought about each of those events. Let's start with the video game awards, which were um, sort of a new version of that show that has been going on for years and years. Uh, it was produced, put together by Jeff Keighley, who had been... Um, uh, putting it together, but more on the host side, because it was a, a Spike TV show recently. Uh, and he sort of brought it back as he was hoping it was going to be. And it certainly wasn't perfect. But what, do you get, what did you guys think of the Jeff Keighley edition of the Video Game Awards? Jeff, you, or you go first. Uh, you know, I thought it was a great step forward. I'm I'm really actually pretty happy tonally with with the show. I think it is still uh, as a uh, Jeff Keighley joint. It is still very much uh, built around debuting new games, debuting new footage of upcoming games, and those world exclusives. He's very much focused yeah. on that, which is a fun a fun viewing experience. I think for most people, it it, it does take a little bit of the focus off the games. Uh, I felt like one of one of the moments that brought that into stark contrast for me was uh, honoring uh, Ken and Roberta Williams, who were a big part of my childhood with the King's Quest games. But they really were just there to sort of transition into showing the new King's Quest. Um, mm -hmm. Their their award was just a preamble for the real meat of the moment, which was, mm -hmm. hey, we're going to show off this new footage. Um, and, and, and by the way, what was what was that that thing where the guy sorry i don't remember his name but introducing the new game couldn't keep the hat on his head well he couldn't keep <laughs> well, it, it on his a, head for it was a clumsy kind of idea of passing the torch and they were trying I, to yeah, show I guess. passing the little hat but but yeah I mean, it was a bit of a roberta bummer. williams who developed that game that he's you know taking the torch from hands him a hat yes it's a little bit awkward and you're gonna look a little bit dumb on tv or you know on the internet you can keep the damn hat on your head, man. That's that bothered me. I don't know why. It was just you're French, dude. You're French. These things yeah. jump out at you guys. Uh, I don't Hats know why Terry Lewis got a pass, but whatever. It's <laughs> um, I uh, I I also I agree with Jeff on every every point. And Jeff Keeley is really I, I don't I cannot think of a more apt uh, description, but I think he is the Ryan Seacrest of video games. Um, He's very. Which I, I think he's very happy about that uh, comparison. And he's worked hard to do it, and he does BlizzCon still, and he does uh, a lot of these events, and it's just uh, does a lot for uh, Spike as well as um, uh, free, uh, game trailers online and stuff like that. And he does, he's he's really good at what he does. I I don't necessarily love how it all feels like a mainstream thing. Uh, you could some people levy the same argument toward esports and say, well, why does it all have to sound like a football game? You know, can't we do something new or different the way we cover these things? And maybe we just all want to hear what's familiar. I don't know. But it does have this feeling of a little bit of prefabrication and it's less about the games and the awards they win and and more about um I don't know, more about the marketing side of it. All of that aside, though, I think he does a great job. I, you could feel like this was a more personal project this year because he's really taking it on rather than having a network dictate what it is. Um, I think that's a good thing. And I think Sony landed it. Um, it. It's not really Sony's. I don't know if it was their call, but having it happen the same weekend as the PlayStation experience in Vegas, 
I think was a was a good accident, whether it was an accident or not. And I think people uh, automatically gave Sony a little more uh, attention as a result. And um, you know, I think both those events turned out to be pretty good. I mean, the Sony one—it's basically they're trying to be their own BlizzCon or yeah or whatever. Well, be, before we move on to the to the PlayStation experience, I just want to say that the it, it felt for me the Video Game Awards felt fun. Um, a lot more community oriented than the the video game. Uh, how did they call them? The VGX, yeah. because X is so much cooler than you know something without an X. The nice um, letter. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, of all letters. What's a, is there a cooler one? I don't think so. I'm not sure. Um, why? Why? No. Why is a wimpy? Another French thing. That's a French deal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's um, one letter that's always asking a question. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> X doesn't um, care about questions. Yeah, X ju- it's just, just, just there. He's it's just, just here to mark the spot, man. Yeah, yeah, he just cares about spelling titles with an X instead of all the other words you'd use. Um, but yeah, this time it was a little bit more. You know, it was from the. It was more grassroots. Uh, it was a little bit awkward at first. I'm uh, not at first. Uh, the, it started well. It, it became awkward afterwards. I didn't like the fact that. They were using ads, like actual YouTube ads as transitions. I thought that was, maybe they didn't have time to create footage for this, or maybe they didn't want to. But I mean, just remove the end part where you have like the bits where on YouTube you're supposed to click to play the next video or the next thing. That was, it was just actual ads. It it bothered me. Um, And, you know, you could feel Nintendo paid for a large part of it because Nintendo didn't have a show and needed the attention. And they were basically, it felt like uh, Regis Fisseme was co-hosting the thing, which was a little bit weird in a show where you're, it was still impartial, I felt, but still it was kind of a little bit strange. But uh, <laughs> overall it was, it was okay. It was, it was, I think it's a good foundation for making it a, a truly what we would like to see, which is a, a video game awards created by the video games industry for gamers not to sort of cater to some weird cable tv audience that you have to make it super edgy for mm-hmm. um yeah it's know. a good step in the in the right direction i'm guessing they learned a lot from this and will probably you know tweak it and make it better and yeah. i hope it's a, i hope it's a regular thing it'd be really nice to have kind of an independent single events or a single event sort of awards thing that that made the most sense and had the most energy behind it because yeah. the ones in the past kind of had some of that, but it just always felt like you were doing it for G4 or spike or somebody. And it just, I don't exactly. know, it didn't feel like the real deal, but this, this feels like it could be. Then again, I mean, the Oscars are kind of dumb and the Emmys are kind of dumb. They're all kind of dumb. No, but it end. doesn't have the Oscars are done for, you know, movies. You feel that it's an industry event. The video game awards have never felt never felt before, and still not quite yet. Uh, like they they are an industry video game industry event. Uh, this one brought it a little bit closer, but um, it's still not quite there. Well, um, moreover, I would say I'm pretty satisfied with the awards themselves. Uh, which games were nominated? Which games were uh, awarded the honors? I think that they did a pretty darn good job in in making those selections. In previous years, it felt a lot like a popularity contest of like, hey, what what games sold the most? Uh, And the fact that the game of the year category didn't include Destiny, didn't include Call of Duty, they weren't even nominated, but some really, really worthy games were, I thought uh, spoke volumes to me. Mm. Yeah, I agree. 
That's true. Yeah, and that's why, why I'm saying it. It still felt uh, actually independent, even though obviously the the developers paid for a lot of it, uh, or that's what it looked like. But uh, and people liked it. Two million people tuned in, which is more than uh, they did for the previous editions of the show. So yeah, good going. Uh, hopefully it will keep going. And I'm sure the PlayStation experience had something to do with it as it was on the same weekend. People were just ready to watch stuff on the internet about video games. Um, so same question. What did you guys think? How did uh, Sony play they, their cards on the 20 years celebration of the PlayStation? Well, other than it being the most way too long. I haven't, this, it, you know, E3, you always end up with somebody's like, oh, that press conference was too long. This mm-hmm. keynote thing they did, too long. <laughs> It was too long. And I'm a super, I'm a big Sony dude. I love all that stuff, but I, I just felt like it went on a little too long. I love seeing Uncharted. I'm a little sad that it looks like basically I'm going to be playing Uncharted again, but it sure looks pretty. Man, what a, what an update to that thing uh, visually. But the uh, as far as like just gameplay stuff, I didn't feel like they had a lot to show, you know, other than that, uh, a little bit of, I still think the order, I, I can't tell what the hell the order is. I think it's a, Straight up third person action shooter with cover mechanics. Is that all that is? Yeah. That's what a lot of people have been saying. I have friends who have tried it and they're like, you know, I used to think it was going to be awesome before I played it. <laughs> and then it was just like, yeah, it's a third person like, action I shooter. I really pretty shooter, but you know. Anyway. Jeff I came away pretty excited. Yeah, I, I, I played it at E3 and it, obviously it's been a while since then, but I was really impressed with it. I think, I think what it is, I could be wrong about this, but my, my instinct about what it is, is Uncharted. It's a game that is about telling you a cinematic story that is punctuated by moments of, of arena shooter. Uh, that mm. you walk into areas and you clear them out in order to progress to the next story point. Um, and, you know, it's, I think it's Uncharted without the, without the traversal bits. Yeah. yeah, if it's that, if that, that could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, sure. all I know, I mean, I'm gonna, I'll probably play it on looks alone. I just think it looks amazing, and who doesn't love a, a big splashy thing to show off on your console? But you know, who knows? But was, other than that, I just, I don't know. I just felt like it went on too long, and mm. and I still don't bit, know yeah. if I still don't know if my hype meter for No Man's Sky is ill advised because right now I think it's you know, it's basically I'm getting. I'm getting super nervous about No Man's Sky. I know, it's, but if it's even close to what they say. Well, okay, they're not, no, they're not saying anything, Scott. They're, they're saying you can explore 100 billion trillion planets. And if you and explore it's polio. One, <laughs> Finally. No, they're not saying that either. It's, it's us, the gamers, who are building the hype up to heights that it cannot attain. They're saying, you know... You, it's all procedurally generated and you can visit everything and it's all different. They have not indicated one inch of gameplay. They haven't told us what we're going to be doing well, every minute a, we're playing. They, they've been talking about exploration and gathering resources and getting to the center of the galaxy and all of that. Yeah. They've, they've but, shown a couple of things, though. People forgot in the origi- some of the original videos, you were shooting down other ships in space. You were landing and walking around picking up crap and had some UI elements and stuff they showed at, at E3. I, I feel like mm-hmm. they've shown some things. They certainly haven't focused on them, no question. And I do feel like some of that stuff is kind of nebulous and, and shifting uh, in terms of what they're going to ultimately have in there. But even if it's, you know what, if they just say all I'm supposed to do is explore these new planets and take pictures of five or six important rocks and then go to the next planet, I still think I'm totally in. No, you're not. It's going to be like Destiny. Um, you're going to play it for 10 minutes and go, 
This is stupid. <laughs> uh, I'm with Jeff. They're, they're, it's too hyped. It's too hyped. It cannot possibly, you know, deliver on that. It can't. Well, let's not put too many words in my <laughs> mouth. I'm, 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 I'm very excited for this game. I'm, I'm nervous about letting my imagination run wild and thinking, thinking of it as the, you know, basically the Ready Player One game. Like it's, it's this infinite universe, and I'll, I'll only ever want to be here because I can do anything. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to do anything, but I think, I, I think it's a really wonderfully ambitious, beautiful, interesting, cool looking game that I'm dying to play. For sure. Yeah. 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 It's, I yeah. I mean, if you have the entire procedurally generated universe to explore, but there's nothing to do in it or nothing really compelling to do in it, it's going to get old really fast. And but that's that, what I'm afraid of. But if that game is $29, who cares? See, there's your price point argument. Yeah, maybe. Again. Yeah. If that game is like, then that's my prediction, by the way, is 29 I think there's going to be tons of stuff to do in it. I think I think that there's going to be plenty of stuff to to blast if you want to blast things. I think there's going to be trading if you want to trade stuff. Uh, It seems like there's all these uh, vectors of of upgrades. Like the Game Informer article went over, like you'll be able to upgrade your ship, you'll be able to upgrade your jetpack, you'll be able to upgrade your gun, you'll be able to you know uh, your stim packs, all this stuff. It feels like. It's going to have uh, gameplay loops that will be compelling as long as as long as seeing new stuff continues to be interesting. And my only worry with the seeing new stuff is like it, planet one to planet two, like, oh, this flying bird has a beak and that flying bird has a bill. And it's like, oh, OK, well, that's different. <laughs> I guess that's different. I guess I, yeah. I guess I discovered that. But, yeah. you know, if it, if it is wildly different and we've seen some wildly different imagery, but um and, you know, they're talking about like being able to discover ruins and going into these ruins and being able to discover, you know, each system has a spaceport that has different items in it. And if you want the certain item, you have to go to a different spaceport and everybody's shooting for the center of the universe. But you have to upgrade your your uh, hyperdrive in order to get there. I mean, all that stuff is like, yeah, gimme, gimme, gimme. That sounds awesome. Mm. Yeah, I really hope that's what it is in the end. Um, what what struck me most uh, about the PlayStation experience was, first of all, Uncharted, I was a little bit disappointed. It wasn't more of a different gameplay experience, apparently. Um, but then Street Fighter V exclusive to PS4 and PC, I think that was a really big deal. And maybe yeah. it's because I have a history with Street Fighter, but I really think it was the biggest thing they could get as an exclusive in you know it's the in, it, street fighter encompasses the entirety of the fighting game genre and i know I, i'm you know overstating it when i'm saying that but i really think that every person who plays uh, fighting games will at least be interested in street fighter so that's kind of a big deal um i thought per- persona 5 which uh, Persona 4 has gotten a weird cult following now with the Vita version that was really, really popular. Um, and Persona 5 being also a PlayStation um, title coming to the US and, and to Europe was a big deal. Uh, Bloodborne um, is something that a lot of people are looking forward to. And I think it's going to be the chance for people who weren't into uh, games like Dark Souls and Demon Souls uh to get into that weird genre that everyone has been talking about for the past couple of years. Um, so I thought it was a really 
really strong showing for PlayStation. And I, I, I'm, I have a PlayStation and not an Xbox, but I think it puts the PlayStation over, if you have to choose only one, on the promises that have been made at a vague event where, you know, they're talking about some future things that will probably happen at some point. Um, I think the, 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 the PlayStation shows the most promise. Uh, and that was a great showing at the at the show. Well, part of it is Microsoft, I think, would really benefit from doing a fan event like this um, and, a, and, a, and a, a weekend long sort of let's have a million computers and a million uh, Xbox Ones out for people to play on and talk about new announcements. Like basically just duplicate this idea. It's a really strong play to connect that way with your base, but also to kind of spread the word and... Um, I don't know. I don't know that they will or, or, or whatever, but I feel like Microsoft right now is kind of in this weird place where they're not really connecting with anybody. And Sony's kind of gone out of their way, be it with social media or other efforts to just sort of really ram why PlayStation Plus is truly a value right now. It's a really valuable uh, service, uh, that among other things, and they've, and they've ridden it to a, a great launch and a strong year. So if my opinion is Microsoft could do a lot, and they certainly have the money for this. They can throw big parties, that company. So <laughs> why not, you know, why not do that? I yeah. think that benefits well, them. Well, I think they used the money the best way they could, which was lowering the price of the console. Um, and they've done a great uh, job at coming back. Uh, now they have to go on the offensive. And honestly, Tom, Tomb Raider, uh, the next version, I think the next uh, iteration of the game is was a good buy for Microsoft. And it might be, along with Halo, one of the games that makes me buy an Xbox One. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, being a, a nerd as I am, I'm going to have both. I'm going to have all the systems at some point. But uh, I just thought Sony was uh, made a, a really strong showing there. Yeah. Um, anyone wants to say a few words about Final Fantasy VII and the troll that they did on the show? Maybe oh. not. Maybe that's not needed. <laughs> so weird. So weird. It was like the the emotional roller coaster for a lot of people i played you know ff7 when it came out i don't revere it in the way that other people do but announcing some sort of coming to playstation 4 for final fantasy 7 with everyone hoping it would be a remake and then it just being a port with the same graphics and same uh crappy visuals was people were not happy but um well, of course not. And the thing is, I don't know what they expected because you're talking about one yeah. of the biggest content-wise games ever made. There are so many uh, assets in that game, be it voice work, uh, fully rendered stuff, in-game stuff, just just to name a few. It, that's like making, you may as well just make a new Final Fantasy game. Yeah, for that's sure. so much yeah. time and money and effort. So I don't, I, I'm not surprised that they're not, but making that a showcase on stage and, and even acting like it was a big deal that this is a port from the PC port of Final Fantasy VII yeah. like three years ago. And then it's, it's 16 thing. euros, 16 euros, which is about, I don't know, 20 bucks. Yeah. That's too expensive for a game that is, what, 20 years old? I agree. Anyway. Uh, and the Vita was there, and it, as usual, I love my Vita, but it had lots of ports and no original content. So, sorry, Vita, I love you, but you're still not getting uh, original games, and that sucks. Yeah. All right. Are we done? I think we're done. Are we done? I don't know. We cooked. Is that's, that little... that's a question for you, sir. Uh, well, <laughs> I think we're done because I'm sick and tired of talking to old grumpy men like you. <laughs> <laughs> you know. 
All right. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show, guys. It was pretty meaty. I think it went well. I um, agree. Where can uh, the the good folks listening to this show find more of your productions on the internet or elsewhere? Go ahead, Scott. Uh, yeah, oh, Scott. Yeah. All right, I'll go. Uh, I was waiting for Patrick there to pick. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Um, I uh, can be found doing all kinds of weird stuff. If, if people like this show... Uh, probably the best place for them to go would be the uh, the Boop Show, which is now 37 episodes in and uh, a twice-weekly news wrap-up show that I do on the Frog Pants Network, which they can find at frogpants.com. And for all else, follow me on Twitter, at Scott Johnson. Excellent. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. Uh, Mr. Kanada, 2N1Ts. Uh, I also do a video game show. I, I love the boop, but I also uh, I do my own video game show every Monday over at the 5x5 network. It's on 5x5.tv slash DLC. It's the DLC video game show. Uh, I also do a comedy show called We Have Concerns, uh, which was just named one of iTunes' top shows of 2014, which I'm very proud of. Uh, so you can check that out over at wehaveconcerns.com. And if you're into movies, I do a... Uh, a movie show over at the slashfilm.com called the Slash Filmcast. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com. Excellent. You're nice. everywhere. Everywhere, I, I say. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and I actually really enjoy uh, DLC, so you should definitely Thanks. listen to that. And, you know, the boob show as well, but I say that all the time. So thank you very much, guys, for being on. Uh, I am at uh, NotPatrick on Twitter. You can find the show and others at Frenchspin.com. And you can leave us comments there as well, of course. And uh, that's going to be it for us. I guess we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks with new guests that will be, of course, not as amazing or wonderful, but will make do. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> like the P.T. Barnum of uh, of podcasting. <laughs> When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.